Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Let's open up in prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord, God, for this opportunity to come in here and learn about your word. God, I pray you open up our hearts, open up our minds, God, and just challenge us in these days we live in, God, not only to be better witnesses for you, but to to learn to stand in the midst of any storm we may or may not face. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Welcome to week three. Uh, Last two weeks, I challenged you guys to take the scriptures from a literal perspective. I kind of taught you through uh, the end times, working backwards to the front. And tonight, what I'm going to do is I want to kind of explore the major, the Magnificent Seven, as I called them, in a little further detail. And I'm just, I want to say a little because I can't cover everything. And I also, what I want to do with this is challenge you guys to take the study further for yourself. I want you guys to, to, and you've heard me say it probably, this is my third week in a row, is don't take a, what I say don't take it as the truth. Find out on your own is what I want to challenge you guys is don't take what I say as the end. Say, you know what? I want to see if Tom Frank was uh, telling us the truth or not. And that's the ultimate goal here is to get you guys to study this yourselves and, and see God on these events because I do, I do believe that um, this, if this past week is any indicator on what's going to be happening, um, we can kind of see things getting closer. And, and I don't, I'm not going to do too much commentary on current events other than you can see the, the forcing of the vaccine went from stadiums now to now they're getting OSHA involved into it. And I'm not against the vaccine. I'm not anti-vax. But what, the, what we're watching, I believe, is a setup for what's going to come. They're going to condition us. So when the younger generation comes, it's going to be normal to them. Oh, that's all I need is this ID card to get my food and groceries? Okay. And then we know where this goes because of what Revelation 13 says. And that's kind of where I want you guys to, to kind of keep in the back of your mind is we don't know what's coming. We, but I, I heard uh, Amari Safani, I believe his name, if I pronounced it correctly, he's a preacher out of Israel. Anybody know who he is? And, and he, he asked this question. He goes, how many verses... In the Bible, say it's going to get better the closer Jesus comes back. And he's all, zero. It doesn't say that. So when I, you know, I'm like that. I mean, it makes, it's simple, but it makes a lot of sense. And see, what I don't know is what that means for us. I don't know, because we've had it real good in this country. I mean, really, we've been blessed. We haven't faced what, like these, you know, like for instance, in the Middle East on what's happening with some of those nations and some of those believers over there, they, they, I mean, they have it hard. Our probably our, one of our hardest decisions on a Sunday is where we're going to eat after church. <laughs> I mean, really, or whether or not we're getting there five minutes before or, or three minutes before, where you have some of these other countries that they got to, hey, I wonder if we can, we can hide long enough. And that's where I don't know where this is going, and I'm not even going to wildly speculate on it. I mean, we can all use our imagination and say, man, I wonder what's going to happen. But I think the ultimate point is, is we got to 
crash into God right now while we still can without fear or consequences coming our way. Uh, this is week three is a closer look. Week four, I'm going, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a big timeline. A lot of those, my seven main points, I'm going to kind of fill in the blanks with them. And then I'm going to pose a question to everyone in here. So a lot of your, if you're interested in a timeline or you want to see exactly how it's going to lay out. And again, this isn't Tom Frank's interpretation. I'm just taking what I have found in the Bible. Nothing reinvented, nothing uh, there's no commentary on it or, or, you know, this is going to happen. This ain't going to happen. I'm just going to basically, it's going to be a biblical outline of what's going to happen from the rapture forward. Last week, we learned that no one knows the end except God. And I, I challenge you guys, if you ever hear a preacher or a teacher say otherwise, I, I, my suggestion is just turn it off. Don't entertain it because when you entertain confusion... It breeds more confusion. And then you start doubting, start questioning, because you don't know this way to that way. And this is one of my objectives was is to not only help you teach others, but to protect you guys. Because there's, I, and I believe the closer we get, the more confusing it's going to try to become. Meaning we got to know our stuff. We have to, because I, I think there's going to be, we're going to see a push against it. And I'm not saying from churches, but I think we're going to see the governments and news agencies and every, everybody else start to kind of pinpoint that. And that's why I call these seven, that Magnificent Seven, they're building blocks for the strong foundation. Because once you get that order in place and you don't have to worry about it, you don't have to think about it, it becomes easy to see and fill in the blanks and easy to see when things are, are a little off. Um, like I said, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these Magnificent Seven in a little more detail, and, and, I, and I, each of these topics, I could spend a, a month on each one and barely even scratch the surface on it. But my, my whole point is this journey to Revelation is a launching point for you. I told you guys, my, one of my best friends showed me that video, and it changed my life and my approach. And over the years, I, I, I used to be one of those gloom and doom type prophecy guys. The world's ending, and look at all this. Look at the bombs, the missiles. And then I realized that's not what we should be doing with it. It's there. There's, there's, we'll, we'll see some stuff that are, it's absolutely staggering, and it's, and it's sad, but we can't make that the point of doing that to people. Uh, a review, and, and the first one, was the rapture, uh, and, and, and I just want to put a note on here. You can write this down. The rapture does not kick off Daniel's 70th week. There's no, there could be the rapture and then a certain block of time before everything starts. The Bible does not clarify on that. It doesn't say, but I, I know if we saw, I mean, what the hurricane down in New Orleans, what that did to, to not only this country, from an economic standpoint, but what it did to other nations. And we watched COVID when you had a few shutdowns of businesses in every state and every country on the planet. It messed things up. I was in the construction industry, and we were literally finding things like nails and boxes for electrical was impossible. And now I'm in the car industry, and I'm seeing they're having the same problems. If you guys have driven any of the lots here in Kingman, you'll see cars are empty. So the, I believe what the rapture will do is it'll create a mess like this planet has never seen before. 
not only because we're not going to be here praying. Just, I mean, if you stop and think about it, how many business owners or, or employees who know Jesus will be gone? I mean, what's going to happen to airports? What's going to happen to power companies? I mean, it's a lot of stuff. The second one is the Magog invasion, as we learned, and I'm going to go into some detail, further detail on that. And this is the one, if you guys want to kind of write this down or burn it in your head, the Magog invasion is, the, I believe, the one prophecy that we can see in constant motion. Meaning you don't need to look, once you understand what it is, where it is, and who's involved, you don't need to look very hard to find it. It's starting to become painfully obvious and uh one of the things if you notice in if you guys we all saw the afghan pull out what happened the, the the tragedy involved with that but when the u.s pulled out china and russia are moving in they're moving in at breakneck speeds we like we left billions of dollars of military equipment that's all getting reverse engineered by them right now why well i'll show you guys in a little bit where this is coming uh, the third one was Daniel's 70th week. That's that last seven-year period. Uh, the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years. The second coming of Christ, what's what we're all, we all want. That's when Jesus comes back to earth. The Millennial Kingdom, that's the thousand-year reign by Christ. And then there's eternity. Come on. What, I, what, I done, what I'm doing over these next few slides is I'm going to ask a couple questions with each topic. Uh, some common ones that I, I was asked, and I was asked a lot of questions uh, through emails and Facebook. I got a lot of Facebook questions, um, and there was a couple of them I could not answer. I did not have the answer to, and I, I'll admit that. Um, but so what I try to do is I try to kind of treat this this week as kind of like a, a frequently asked question. Like, what kind of questions would I ask about these topics? And what the rapture is, before the period of God's wrath begins, the Lord will take all those who have accepted Christ as their Savior off the earth in a great catching away. You can read that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. He does this to remove the church from the time of wrath. Amen, right? Amen to that, because the judgments God is going to unleash on earth are not intended for the church. And you can read that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. And there's a verse that some of you may have not have seen before, and it's out of Isaiah 26, 20, 21. Has anybody seen this passage before? And, 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 if, and if you take Isaiah 26, 20 through 21, you can literally find where Paul is and Isaiah are talking about the same event. And, it, and it's staggering because you can read through, and these were written thousands of years apart from one another. And they're, they're saying the same thing. Isaiah 26, 20 through 21 says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. And what I, what I absolutely love about that is it's saying, come, come to your chambers and hide for a little bit until because God's coming out to put his wrath on this earth. And those three verses, those three passages that I have off to the right give you a, uh, uh, just the, the, like I said, it's staggering how 
equal they are in what they're saying, the message being said. Which brings me to why does the rapture happen? And it's important to understand that the rapture is, and there's some typos on this on your page, so I do apologize for that. The, it's important to understand that the rapture is used to get the church out of the way of the end times judgment. But this passage we're about to read will show you there's another reason why. And that reason is, is Israel will not return back to God until we are gone. And I hinted on that, I hinted on that last week. And, and all you got to know is if you want to do, see how far the nation as a whole of Israel away from God, go look it up. Look up some stats of what you think it might be. You'll be staggered over it. But Acts 15, 14 through 18 says, Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. There's that take out where I kind of talked about last week. That's a forceful removal. That is not, that is yanking them out, which the rapture, I, I mean, we can, we've seen the movies. We can imagine it. What's going to happen? Yes. And I don't know. I've always wondered, are clothes going to still be there? <laughs> I see that. Are, are, are we just going to disappear? I don't know. I just, it's one of those things I've all, because the Bible doesn't say. But, but here's another important part where it says, and with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written after this. After what? After he takes us out. I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. So here this passage is telling us, hey, after I get the Gentile people out of here, that's non-Jewish, I'm going to return and, and get the temple built. And we know there's no temple in Israel, and there hasn't been one for thousands of years. That's another thing we can watch. The next one we're going to go on is to what is the Magog invasion? I believe this is, my, this is my favorite prophecy in all of the Bible because it gives you more detail than anything. It gives you the who's involved, what happens. It gives you the cleanup after, and, and there's some amazing things inside of here, inside those passages. And, 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 and that's my kind of homework assignment to you guys tonight is to read those two chapters when you leave here. They're not, I mean, you're looking maybe 20 to 30 verses in each one, but to, to read those. Uh, the prophecy found in Ezekiel 38 and 39, we have Russia, Turkey, Iran, Sudan, and Libya. They're specifically named. And, and what's important to realize is the, like, for, for example, Iran. Some of you guys were alive when Iran, or maybe you know of it, or you had parents alive. Uh, when Iran used to be called Persia, and they just changed their name with, within these last uh, couple decades, several decades. And we're also giving clues to a section in Eastern Europe and in areas in the Middle East. These nations will comprise an army that unites under Gog, and Gog, is, there's no nation for it, but you can find Gog. It's, it's, it's another commander of, it's a demonic commander of some type. We don't know outside of that who it is. We don't know anything outside of that, but Gog leads them. I've seen, well, Putin's, Putin is Gog. I've seen Gorbachev is Gog. I've seen all that. We don't know, but what we do know is the battle is over very quickly because God intervenes. And, and the, the, the most staggering part of this, I like staggering. Can you tell? I like to use that word. 
the, the, the most amazing part of this verse is it, it, this passage, it says that God's anger shows on his face. He gets mad and his face shows it. Yeah, think about that for one second. You won't see that. You don't see that very often. Ezekiel 38, 10 and 12, and I skipped 11, uh, not because I'm trying to hide anything, or just because there were some points in here I wanted to make with it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. That's not good when God says, man, you're thinking of a bad idea. This is what he's, this is what he's saying. I will plunder this is Gog thinking, I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins. When, was, when did those resettled ruins happen? That was 1948. The people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. Brings us to our next question. Where does the Magog invasion happen? And there's a map on there. And what it shows you is it shows you the names that are the location, the geographic locations, and you guys can, when you get home, put that map against a modern map, and you'll see those, the, the countries of Russia, Turkey, Iran, all moving in on this invasion. And that whole, and if you notice over there to the right of Israel is Persia, which is Iran, and that what's in front of, in between Iran and Israel? Afghanistan and Iraq. And we literally, in our most recent times, that area has been cleared out because you can see the invasion is going to come through there when, that, when this happens. And if you see Ezekiel 38, 8, and 9, it says, A long time from now you will be called into action. In the distant future you will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace and recovering from war. And after its people, that war, I believe, is 1967 when they, when they captured Jerusalem again. And after its people had returned from the many lands to the mountains of Israel, you and all of your allies, a vast and awesome arm, army, will roll down on them like a storm and cover the land like a cloud. And if you, to kind of, you guys have, I'm imagining a lot of you have seen war movies. And, or if you want to look up, military formations. Look up some of the uh, military actions America did in the Middle East and you'll see just looks like a cloud and you, you have all these tanks and machines running through this desert. There's dust everywhere, dust clouds. And I believe this is what he saw. Not this, again, this is just my opinion on what I believe he saw, but it makes a lot of sense when you stop and think about it. And why does the invasion happen? Uh, the earthly forces of Gog are after the wealth Israel possesses. You can read that in Ezekiel 38, 10 through 13. And in the last, I would say, 15 years, Israel, if you guys have been following, and if you haven't, they have discovered probably the largest uh, reservoir of natural gas on the planet Earth. And I would say within, I, I want to say two, three years, maybe, I'm not exactly sure on that, but they will become the largest provider of natural gas in the entire region. And it becomes even more interesting. Do you know who currently is the number one provider? Russia. So that's what they're after. The, they're after the wealth. And, and we talked about this last week. Ezekiel 39, 21 says God uses this event to, to 
wake the world up and say Bible prophecy is, is it's real. This, it's coming, and, and this is what I, you'll even see some of the words in there. It's like, this is what I warned you about. I warned you about this years ago. Didn't you listen? This is, what, this is what, kind of what he, I'm paraphrasing here. And then God uses this event to draw all of the Israelites back home, and the entire nation will turn back to God from that day forward. Literally from that, when after this event, the entire nation repents. The entire nation of Israel repents. Which is, is stag- it's, it's amazing to think about that. <laughs> so, uh, which brings us to the next. What is Daniel's 70th week? The world will be in dire straits you can, in Ezekiel 38 and 20. That, it talks about the earthquake I mentioned a few weeks ago, that, or last week, I think, that the entire planet will feel it. Every creature that is alive will feel this earthquake when God intervenes. The earth will just have witnessed God intervening on the behalf of Israel. Israel will turn back to God, and they'll have no formal place of returning to an old covenant worship. Because of this, the door will open for someone to give Israel a solution. And if you think about that, the the world has just experienced millions of people disappearing. A opportunistic army makes a move on Israel because I, I believe America has defended Israel for the last several decades and I think we're still going to do so even not as well as the last the previous four years but I think we will up until this point so you're going to have this army that invades millions of people gone and then an earthquake that just rattles the entire planet it's going to be a mess isn't it everything's going to be such a mess and this guy is going to show up Daniel 9.27, it says, He will confirm a covenant with the many for one seven. That's seven years. In the middle of the seven years, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. That's how we know Israel will be in an old covenant way of worship, doing animal sacrifices inside the temple. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed poured out on him. Why does Daniel's 70th week happen? Daniel 9.24 says, A period of 70 sets of seven, or 490 years, has been decreed for your people and your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring everlasting righteousness and confirm the prophetic vision and anoint the most holy place. And in easy speak... This is what God uses these last seven years to do with Israel. He puts an end to their rebellion. When did that rebellion start? When they nailed them to the cross. That's when it started. It started at that point. He puts away their sins during this time. He pays the penalties that Israel has accrued over these last several thousands of years. He brings the people into a state of righteousness. He fulfills the remaining prophecies, everything that's been in the Bible. The Bible says after Christ returns, there's no more... Bible prophecy, it's over with. And then he anoints the temple. Which gives us to the great tribulation. Once this world leader breaks the seven-year covenant and betrays Israel, this act is known as the abomination of the desolation. And he will stand in the temple and announce that he is God. Jesus goes on to say in the book of Matthew that the entire world will enter a period of time known as the great tribulation, which is 1260 days. They will be so horrible, they'll be unmatched in history. 
Matthew 24, 15 says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. And, and we don't have to wait to understand. We can understand this now. Why does the great tribulation happen? And this is one of the typos on here, uh, Jeremiah 30, um, that are in there, but I, and I, I do apologize for that. But Jesus said the great tribulation would be the most intense period of judgment the world has ever seen, greater than all the world wars, greater than the flood. And he says if he didn't shorten it, everybody would perish. And, and, this is, and this was kind of a hard one to see because it says every nation, you can read this in Jeremiah 30, verse 11. Again, not Tom Frank's words. Every nation on earth but Israel will be destroyed by the end of the great tribulation. Everything is going to be destroyed. Jeremiah 30, verse 7 says, In all of history there has never been such a time of terror. It will be a trouble of my, for my people Israel, yet in the end they will be saved. And if you guys have ever heard the time of Jacob's trouble, this is where this comes from, depending on the translation you're reading. Oops. What is the second coming of Christ? And there, in Zechariah 14, and you guys can highlight that, Zechariah 14, 6 and 7 is one of the, it, it, it's a very puzzling uh, passage to look at because one of the things it says is the sun, the moon, and all the stars quit giving off its light. It goes pitch black. When Jesus returns. And I and, and ask yourself, where do, where do the stars and sun and moon go? Do you just snap them away? You, you could. But we know that the earth will be under complete darkness and Christ will be seen by all coming out of heaven. Luke 21, 26 through 27 says, people will be terrified what they see coming upon the earth. Well, I, I, yeah, they'll be terrified because they'll realize, man, we messed up. <laughs> we messed up. For the powers in heavens will be shaken, and everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud with power and great glory. Where does the second coming occur? At the time of the sixth bowl judgment, and like I said, next week I'm going to go through all the entire timeline, which are all the sealed, the trumpet judgments, the seals, the bowls, the woes. I'm going to cover all of those, um, in a, like I said, in a bullet point fashion, but at the time of the sixth judgment, Satan will send three demonic emissaries to persuade all of the kings of the earth to gather their armies at a place known as Armageddon, which is known to us as Armageddon. You can read of that in Revelation 16. Mount Megiddo overlooks the plains of Jezreel in central Israel, where all the armies will come together. And I read this quote, Napoleon, everybody knows who Napoleon is. When he saw that valley, he said, what a perfect place for a war. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Zechariah 14.4 says, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from the east to the west. Half the mountain will move to the north, the other half to the south. And in verse 8, there's a river, the, the, Zechariah says there's a river of life that comes out of where he steps. Right where Jesus steps, life comes out. And that river, go, it, you, we'll kind of cover that uh, um, next week. It, that river brings life to whoever gets near it. The leaves will heal your body. It, it's really incredible, some of the detail they give us. I wish there was more detail, but there, there's not. Um, 
which brings us to the millennial kingdom. The Lord will reign supreme on the earth as a king and high priest, both head of, both head of the government and the religion. The earth will be restored to its condition when Adam was created. None will labor unproductively. Children will grow up without fear, and adults will grow very old in peace. And the summary is, and I put down as many as I could, is Isaiah 2, 1 through 5, uh, Isaiah 4, 2 through 6, and 35, Isaiah 41, 18 through 20, and you can read those. And the one I put on there is Isaiah 65, 24. And you listen to the, the this is when, when people are praying during the millennium, the people who are on earth, listen to what it says. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Amen. Wow. Yeah, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you. When I found this, this passage, I was right after my brain surgery, and I got mad. I did. Because I asked God, I'm like, would I have to wait? <laughs> I have to be the guy, I have to survive the tribulation period and then, then, then start in the millennium. And, and that was, I had a, a really stinky attitude about it. But, but what God showed me was how awesome will that be for the people who are on that earth during this time? Amen. I mean, that is going to be so awesome for everybody. It, it's just another proof that Life on the earth for the, for the inhabitants of the earth, not us, and I'll get into where we're at in a second, is going to be perfect. You're going to live, you're going to live hundreds of years old. Hundreds of years old, you're going to live during that time frame. And you can read about all of that, especially in Isaiah, the back half, the, anything from 60, Isaiah 60 and back, it talks a lot about the millennium. Where is the church during the 1,000 years? That's the question of the day, isn't it? John 14, 2 through 3 says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If that it were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Life is far different in the home of the redeemed church. No unbeliever can ever, ever step foot in here, which is New Jerusalem. And I was going to put a picture up, but the argument is it's, is it's either a pyramid or a cube. And I, what it is, I don't know. It doesn't really clarify. We know that we're going to be in a, uh, I don't know, a New Jerusalem is 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 mi- miles tall, and 1,400 miles deep is where we're going to be. What that looks like, I don't, I don't know as far as the exterior shape, but we're given some amazing details on it. Uh, our mansions will be built out of the purest gold, and the foundations will be made from the precious stones. And li- this is, it, it blows my mind. There is no temple in New Jerusalem because the Lamb of God dwells there and is our temple. Amen. We're going to walk with them. The energy source that lights and warms us is the glory of God, and, and our radiance in turn provides light for the nations of the earth. So New Jerusalem is going to light everything up. Because remember, before we, re- we learned that the sun, the moon, and the stars all disappear. This is why. God's like, I'm, this, is the, this is the light. 
And which brings us, what happens before eternity? And at the end of the millennium, some key events will happen. Satan is thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. That's Revelation 20, verse 10. Yeah, amen, he's gone. The unsaved dead from all ages will be resurrected to face judgment at the great white throne. That's Revelation 20, 11 through 13. We don't want anybody there. Nobody, not even our enemies. And then death and the grave are thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. Revelation 20 through 14 through 15. And 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 24 through 26 says, After that, after all the tribulation, after everything, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And after that, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And some of the points we're going to cover next week is, and I, again, I mentioned it earlier, the Satan, he's loosed on this earth after that thousand years, and he gathers, and John calls, he gathers a number that is uncountable like the sands of a seashore, and which tells me how many millions of people, I don't know how many people that's going to be, but... It, it, it's, it's depressing when you think about it because this is people who have lived with a God who answers their prayer mid-sentence, who lives with a God who you can see this, I don't know, maybe the Borg cube <laughs> over the earth or a giant pyramid. I don't know what it is. They're all witness to this. They're all grow, they grow up through this thousand years and yet Satan fools everybody again. He fools everybody again. And the good news is we know, we know his destination, don't we? Yeah. We know it ends. We know where he goes. And what is eternity? And I can't say much about it. We kind of joked about it where Billy Graham talked about golfing. Howard talked about fishing. I told you guys I want to be in a starship enterprise. <laughs> I, I, I want to, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't, I mean, whatever, uh, whatever. I know we have a lot of real estate up there because 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles is a, a lot of square footage. We're all going to have some pretty cool space up there. Um, we don't know much about it, but the Bible finishes at the end of the millennium in Revelation 22, yet it teaches everyone who's born lives forever in Romans 6, 23. And, and I've, I brought this up last week, and I want to remind you guys again, there are two possible destinations, eternal bliss in the presence of God, John 3, 16, or eternal punishment away from God, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. The, the only two real places, it's where you're either here or here. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And that, that's awesome to me. It's like, what is, I, I mean, I, some of you guys know I'm huge into architecture. And I have all, God, are you going to let me design my own place up there? <laughs> or is he going to say, you know, I'm going to show you some building methods, Tom, that are going to blow your mind. I don't know. But it's fun to think about. 
it, it's, a, it's, it's something fun to think about. And to me, it's a good platform to, to, to talk to people. Hey, you know what God says is going to be for us in eternity? Let me, let me show you. And in summary, each of these events described that I, I, I went over have a purpose behind them. The, the rapture happens to, to move the church out of the way so Israel can come back to God. The Magog invasion happens because this is the event God uses to bring revival to the nation of Israel. And then Daniel's 70th week starts to atone the sins of Israel. And then we go into the Great Tribulation, which is God's wrath and judgment on this earth, which then opens the door for Christ to come back and reign over everything and in death, in sin, in it all, and then eternity where we end up, which we don't really need any explanation on why that has to happen. It's going to happen. And so next I want to ask, so now what? And uh, next week, I'm, like I said, I'm going to do a bullet point list of, the, of an entire timeline from the rapture all the way to eternity, and I'm going to a lot of. I'm not going to cover very many scriptures in there as far as reading them to you. I'm just give you the events and then give you the scriptures that are associated with it because I really want you guys to take this home and, and study it yourself. I do. I, I want you guys to email me or shoot me a question on Facebook that I can't answer. I do. I, I won't take offense to it. I'll, I'll be excited. I want you to get, because that's the whole, my whole point is to, is to stir us. Because what happens in 10 years from now if we're still here? And we can't wait to make our move for the kingdom until it's too late. And that's what I want to challenge you guys. And I want for coming back out here, and there'll be one more week, and then it's 710, and I'm going to open it up. If anybody has any questions, I'll do my best to answer. And if you do have a question that you don't, uh, you still articulating it or you want to save it, you can email me or shoot me a, one on Facebook. I got a lot of Facebook questions, so I had my best to answer them. Is there any questions anybody has before we close? No? Okay. We're looking. If, if, she, if, she, if you didn't hear her, she said, she's just looking forward to the end. We all are. I think everybody in here is like, okay, any day, Lord. The, when I used to work, I used to work for Frito-Lay. Our, um, Guy Martin, his son, was delivering bread into the store when I was delivering chips, and he, we'd always have this running joke. We knew we were having a bad day because one of us would always say, any day, Lord, any day. And, and with that, I'll close in prayer. We can get you guys home. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, to study your word. God, let it just challenge our hearts. God, let us uh, see the calling you've placed on us, God. God, to just win people and to be you while we still have the opportunity. And we thank you for all that you've done. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just bless us for the rest of this week. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 We'll see you next week. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.